listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we're dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you're listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. And I love people. I love you guys. I'm, I'm passionate about you guys. We could, sometimes we look at where we're at and we think, we could be anywhere I'm in the world, I guess. It's not like I've had invitations all over or anything, but I'm just saying God could have placed us anywhere in the world, but he placed us here. We still sometimes go, Lord, why exactly are we here? We've got a a glimpse, but why exactly? Because we're so obedient, we'll do anything that the Lord tells us to. You know, what's interesting is that I found out recently and I won't go into the whole story, but basically there was, a, there was a pear tree planted the day that my great-grandfather was born 126 years ago, 24, 24 years ago, 124 years ago. And the Lord said, and that pear tree, all those pear trees, there's three of them, all three of those pear trees are still alive and going and kicking and producing fruit, particularly pears because it's a pear tree. And the Lord said, I'm going to produce something through you that will last for generations that generations can pull from. I, I don't want to just do something just like, like it pops up and then it fades away as quick as it popped up. Like that's not what I'm, I've never been after that. I want something that has real longevity that will minister to generations while I'm here and to generations whenever I'm gone. Because eventually we all get old and die, right? Unless Jesus returns, that's what happens. You know what I found out is that Listen now, I asked the Lord, I said, why were those pear trees planted 124 years ago when my great-grandfather was born and he was one of nine and none of the rest of them had anything planted for their memorials, only him. He said, because I knew you and Katie would come 124 years later and see them. I said, I was pretty smart. (laughs) And do you know where we're at? Perryville and Perry County and Perry Plaza and Perry means one who sits under a pear tree. So literally you guys are sitting underneath of someone who has a lineage that will go for generations. I know I won't quit. I know I won't give up, but I'll tell you, I'll be doggone if I let the enemy come in and ruin what God's trying to do. Hallelujah. Man, that should put a fire in you. You're part of something and we are part of something that's bigger than us. But yet we're being significantly used. And you can't look at things that are small and be like, well, I don't know that this is really, it's very significant. It's very significant. Amen. Now I shared my heart. Will you let me teach you for a little bit? Because I've got some really good things that I need to teach you. Can you guys just stand up for a quick moment and just let the blood flow? I know you've stood up and sat down a few times but let the blood flow. So I was pastoring and now I'm going to teach for a few minutes, but I have some really powerful things that, that I need you to hear because it's, well, it's powerful and it will really, really help you, amen. Everybody just give me a great big smile offering. I would say, everybody say, I love you, Pastor Kent, but then I was told that that sounded strange sometimes. So thank you for loving me. You may be seated, amen. So I'm going to continue sharing along the lines of what I've been sharing. Thank you for um, appeasing the gift in me and allowing me to lead. I honor you for allowing me to honor you. 
Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. So we've been talking about the ones that hell could not overcome. Anybody in here want to be one of the ones that hell could not overcome? Hallelujah. And it's a prophetic statement that when we get to the end of our days, we're going to be able to stand and say hell could not overcome us. Because we carry the nature, we carry the life, we carry the vision, we carry the heart of Jesus himself. And when he said, I will build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It will not. You know, sometimes you have to say something. And just like Liz was talking about the word of God coming from our mouth, sometimes you have to say something a bunch before you eventually believe it. Sometimes people say things and they think, well, if I say it enough, then God will believe it and God will do something. No, God's already convinced of his word. He can't be any more convinced of his word. He's at the fullest capacity of being convinced and persuaded about what his word says. We sometimes are not fully convinced and persuaded about what God says. So that's why we say things and we say them and we say them and we say them. And it's not to twist God's arm, but it's really to soften our heart. Because it's like when you take the word of God and you speak it and you speak it and you speak it, it's just like you're taking a meat tenderizer and you're pounding your heart in a good way because it makes it better. Amen. You know, you can pound something to where you destroy it or you can have a piece of meat. You can have a piece of flesh and you can, you can gently pound it. And before you know, you got something delicious. Well, if you will soften your heart with the word of God, then other people will look at you and say, that is delicious. And I want to be around that person. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. So, so we're going to continue just declaring that we are the church that, that hell cannot overcome and that will not overcome and that did not overcome. And I want to show you a little bit more here concerning revelation. So I, I mentioned last week, I got into talking about how that we've been operating from a really a false identity. It's an identity that the enemy brought the whole world into in the garden. And it's, it's bringing people back into a performance-based system to where people have to perform. And what has happened is that not only have human beings grabbed a hold of unintentionally, but really naturally from birth, the idea or the practice of performance and having a performance-based mentality, it's also infiltrated the church. And so because people that are leading churches don't have a revelation of the righteousness, our true identity that we have in Christ, they've often led from a place of bringing people into performance. Let's perform before people so we appease people. That's the fear of man. That's not a good thing to get into. And let's perform before God in order for God to love us, in order for God to like us and bless us. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And it's not that we build up this great faith so that God's pleased with us, because if you're not careful, you can get into that kind of faith teaching to where you're back into performance again. But when it talks about without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's just talking about without trusting in the Lord, you can't please him if you're trusting in yourself. So we have to move from a place of performing to appease our own conscience and to try to appease other people and to try to appease God to where we simply trust in the Lord and the performance is over. But the enemy has been clamoring for 6,500 years or however long it's been since the time in the garden. He's been working this whole time to keep people into what he originally thrusted them into. And the reason he's been able to do it is because every seed produces after its own kind extremely important here. Every seed produces after its own kind. That's what the word tells us. So when we were born in the natural, we were born after Adam, 
spiritually already dead. Because when Adam died, then everything that was produced after him was already dead. But here's the deal. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are now born into a kingdom and we are no longer dead, but we are truly right and righteous before God. This is why it says in Ephesians 4 and 24 to put on the new man. And that's talking about in the spirit of your mind to put on the new man, which was created in righteousness and in true holiness. You realize that your new man that you have on the inside, it's not the old man anymore. It's the new man. And what the enemy tries to do is to get us to go back and look at our performance, to look at all of the, the do's and the don'ts and the rights and the wrongs and get us to measure ourselves according to our performance, thus keeping us always in a performance-based mentality and never stepping into the true identity that we have in Christ which is that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not because of your performance, but because of the performance of Jesus. I want to tell you about a dream that I had, and I don't share my dreams. I used to share them more, but they're very personal, and I don't really like to share a lot of them, but I wanted to share this one because it was really awesome. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but let me say this. I found myself standing on a beach, and I was not sunbathing, but I was standing on a beach, and actually, right before that, I had been saving money. In my dream, I'd been saving money. And I took that money, and I was just saving it for whatever. I took that money, and I, I, I got word that there was this giant beast. And this is the kind of dream that if someone told me, I'd be like, nah, you're making that dream up. But this dream really didn't happen. I got word that there was this giant beast in, in where, I was, where I was at and where I was living. And the whole dream was like a movie reel. It was very interesting. And this just happened about two weeks ago. And I had been taking money and been saving it. And when I heard that this beast was in the land, I guess terrorizing people, I don't know what was happening exactly, but I knew that I had to take care of the beast. And so I went and I took the money that I had saved and I went and I had special made armor. I had, it, I had it made specifically for me. And I went and found, then I found myself on the beach and I'm facing this giant. It was in the form of a man, but I knew it wasn't a man. It was just this big beast. It was like a David and Goliath kind of, kind of picture. And I'm standing there and I only had two elements. I had a, a spear type of, of thing. As far as the armor, I had two elements, a spear type of thing. And then I had a, a breastplate. And and it went from, you know, like my waist all the way up to here, and it covered all, you know, all the vital organs. And I'm standing there on the beach, and this big giant thing, man-looking thing, but it wasn't a man, took what he had in his hand, and he struck me on the breastplate, and he died instantly. <laughs> you know what the Bible calls the breastplate in the Bible? It's the breastplate of righteousness. Because see, righteousness speaks about identity. Because in the Roman army, which is what Paul was referring to in Ephesians chapter 6, when he talks about the breastplate of righteousness, they would have that breastplate, which would, again, it would cover their and protect their vital organs. But they would also have the insignia of who they represented right there. And you know that God's given us a spiritual breastplate, but it's of righteousness. 
What kind of righteousness? Works righteousness? No, that's dead works. It's of his righteousness. It's imputed righteousness. It's what he's given us. So now we can stand boldly in a person who knows their true identity that they have in Christ Jesus can stand and face any demon, can stand and face any Goliath, can face any monster in their life. And as soon as the enemy touches their righteousness, immediately they're destroyed. Because now they've touched Jesus' identity because your identity is no longer there. It's hidden in his identity. Because when you're facing the enemy, you're not facing him with your armor. It's God's armor. This is why it says to put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. When the enemy comes to accuse you and to accuse you and to accuse you, which is what it says in Revelation chapter 12, it says that he accused the brethren day and night. And that word accuser means a complainant in a legal system. He's come in and he's tried to legally strip you of your authority and your right by accusing you of things that Jesus has already completely justified you for. Man. You stand firm in the breastplate of righteousness that God's given you, the enemy will never win against you. Never win against you. Because you know the thing that he does when you're facing something and you take your authority, you take the sword of the Lord, and you begin to go and you begin to speak at the things because this, the sword of the Lord, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. And when you take it and you begin to go and speak, if you are not firmly planted in the righteousness that you have in Christ, to where you know that you know that you know that you know that your ability to stand is not because of anything that you have done right or wrong, but because of the righteousness that has come from him as a free gift. If you are not firmly grounded in that, the enemy will say, oh, I hear what you're saying. Remember that thought that you thought yesterday? Remember how you didn't really love your kid the way, you know, I and, and he'll disguise himself as the Holy Ghost. And he'll say, I told you to read your Bible. And you hadn't been reading it enough. And people that don't know, they go, oh God, he's just, oh, oh, and they fall apart and they can't do anything. Why? Because they can't stand firm in their own righteousness because it never measures up. As soon as you set the bar here, as soon as you cooperate with the devil and set the bar here, and you get to that measure, he'll say, nice, let's go here. <laughs> you got that level? Well, let's go here. It's a moving target. You can never attain. You can never be right enough in your performance to be confident in your conscience before the Lord. But when you understand what's given to you, that's when the enemy comes and he accuses you that you can go, you know what? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He's made me righteous. Right. He's made me righteous. He's made me righteous. I am right with him. And now I'm going to put on the new man. And I'm not going to let the enemy lie to me anymore. It doesn't matter what I did in the past. It matters who I am and the direction that I'm moving. Amen. Man, that's powerful stuff. Hallelujah. I just decided, like, I was ready to take off and talk about this revelation that God's given me, but it's a slow takeoff. It's not a fighter jet. It's more like a huge airliner. We're just <laughs> this is something we, we, can't, we have to have this. You, we, can't, we can't go forward without having this established first. This has to be there. Because if you don't understand this foundationally in your life, you'll always work to get 
and to be and to receive and to perform. You'll always do it. It's in human nature. It was there from the garden. Shame and then immediately into self-effort, immediately into performance-based mentality. Remember, Adam went and hid in the trees. Trees represent prophetically, it's a picture of what man can do. Adam went and hid in the trees. Most people that are Christians, they believe in Jesus. They've been saved. They've been born again. They're stuck in churches. They're stuck in places. They're stuck in dead religion. Hiding in the trees, thinking because they show up and they do this and they do that. See, it's not enough to just say you don't have, you can't perform enough to get saved. We also need to teach people that you can't perform enough to keep being saved. He is the one that saves you through faith in him, and he is the one that keeps your salvation until the end of your days. It's God's faithfulness that causes us to be saved and to remain saved. See, you, what you can't do is you, you can't take that and really understand it and then go, awesome, man, I want to go live like a complete idiot. Because when this revelation comes to you, it changes everything about your entire life. You'll go, I'm not going to live like that anymore. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. The enemy's below me. I got a bright future in front of me. And instead of looking at the things I've done wrong, I'm going to look at everything that Jesus has done right. And in the process, God's going to fix some of my problems and issues that I've got in my flesh. He's going to cause me to be able to do things a little bit better. But regardless, it doesn't change the position that I have with Christ right now. So I want to talk to you for just a few more minutes about this being something that has to be revealed. So go to Romans chapter 1, and I think we can pull this up on the screen. Actually, did I have you go to Matthew 16? I thought I heard someone say, whoa, wait a second. We're already somewhere. Let's go to Matthew 16. That's a great place. And then we're going to go to Romans chapter 1. Matthew chapter 16. I was there, and then I flipped it, and so I lost it, and here I am. And verse 13, oh, this is really good. It's all about revelation. You cannot operate beyond the current revelation that you have. Another way that I can say it is that you are currently, and I am currently operating in the revelation that we currently carry. It's, it's actually been been embedded in kind of in human nature, but also in a lot of religious circles to teach people that once they get a certain knowledge that they don't need anymore. And that's, that's actually completely 100% false because even though God's given us a fullness and you can read in Colossians chapter two and around verse nine and 10, it says that you are complete in him. And we have all of the fullness in him. The, the fullness of the Godhead bodily is in Jesus and Jesus lives on the inside of us. So we have his fullness, but what we don't have is understanding of what he's given us. That's a process of renewing our mind. And the greater our mind is renewed, the greater manifestation we have because revelation increases. Mind renewal is revelation increased. That's all mind renewal is. It's continued revelation of what was already given to us. 
So when we first get saved, we come into a revelation of, I can't save myself. I need Jesus to save me. Jesus, help. You're the only one that can help me. So help me. That's a revelation we come into. But unfortunately, for many people, it's capped right there. They get no more revelation beyond that because I guess nobody thinks it's important. (laughs) But the thing is, is that there is so much deposited. The fullness of God is deposited on the inside of us. Is anybody in here walking in the fullness of God? Don't raise your hand yet. Outwardly manifesting the fullness of God in your life? Let me see a show of hands. Not one hand. You know why? It's because the revelation we have has only gone so far. Now, I'm not criticizing that. Praise God for the revelation we do have. But we should never get to a point to where we stop growing in the Lord. How do you say that word? S-E-L-A-H. Selah. We should never get to a point to where we stop growing in the Lord. Selah. Think about that. Meditate on that. People get hindered in their life because they stop allowing the Lord to speak to them. They stop allowing God to grow them personally. The Lord knows from the day you get born again until the day you die, how to fulfill and accomplish everything that he's asked you to fulfill and to accomplish. Every single thing. But, but we get stuck sometimes not moving forward. I don't know why that is besides, I think sometimes we think we have more figured out than what we really do. It's a really good place to come to every day of your life to say, Jesus, I do not know everything that I need to know. Because if I did, I would be manifesting a greater measure of what you've already placed on the inside of me because you've given me your fullness. So I'm asking you for a greater revelation, increased revelation of what you've already given me. I want the fullness of it to manifest outwardly. That's pretty good. That's a good way to be. That's a humble place to be. But as soon as we stop growing, then we stop fulfilling what God has for us because he's placed us in a kingdom to where he's, he's given us everything. He's not holding anything back, but he's placed us in a kingdom. And even better said, he's placed a kingdom on the inside of us. And I just want to tell you, because I feel like you need to hear it right now. Don't worry. You don't have to be worried at all. Like I won't do anything embarrassing or whatever. Okay. And if I do, then it's Katie's fault. It's just as simple as that. But I want to tell you that you have the fullness of the kingdom on the inside of you. And in the days to come, you are going to manifest more of the kingdom of God than you actually ever even thought possible. So where you're thinking is that is going in the right direction. I'm saying this prophetically, not from anything that she's told me or she's told me. I know you've got tremendous growth happening in your life. But what I'm saying is that you've, you've actually probably seen like to this level, but you're going to see this level because what he does is far above and beyond all that we could ask or even think, and God's going to manifest the kingdom of God in a greater level in your life than what you even thought. And I'll say the biggest reason, and I'm saying this naturally because this is what I know, is that you've placed yourself in a pattern of growth in your life. And God honors you for that woman of God. 
and you are a woman of God. And when you look in the mirror, you need to look in the mirror and say, you are a woman of God. You're not just a woman, but you are a woman of God. The word of means of, out of, and from the origin of. You originate from God. You don't originate from you. Honestly, you don't even originate from your parents. All, all your, that came from your parents, basically, is a natural earth suit to place the spirit that God made on the inside of it so you could be a voice to echo out what the word is saying inside of your spirit. You're not a natural person trying to become spiritual. You're a spiritual person manifesting the fullness of what God has placed on the inside of you outwardly. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I'd like a word like that. That's pretty good. Amen. Would you like a word like that? And just receive it right now. As a matter of fact, would you just lift your hands right now and say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm receiving the full manifestation of what you've already placed on the inside of me. It's going to work itself out. And it's going to come by revelation. Not head knowledge, but revelation from you, God. Revelation from the Father. Through your spirit. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me show you this. Matthew chapter 13, 16 and verse 13. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I the son of man am. So they said, some say John the Baptist and some say Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? They were all answering from their natural carnal knowledge. It wasn't evil, but it was just natural. Simon Peter answered in verse 16 and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. How did he know this? Verse 17 tells us, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Blessed are you, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Blessed are you, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. What is the rock? It wasn't Peter himself. It was the revelation that Peter had. So Jesus was saying, I will build my church and the gates of hell or Hades will not prevail against it. And on this, this rock is what I'm going to do it with. And he was talking about the rock of the revelation of who Jesus really was. The fact that he was the son of God. So the very first step in beginning to build with God and, and build God's way in cooperation with God is we have to have a revelation. We can no longer afford in this hour to operate from the wisdom and the knowledge of man. We have to have the wisdom and the knowledge of God that comes from God. It has to be our quest every day of our life where we go before the Lord, and you can put it in your own words, but you go before the Lord and you say, Father, I need to know what you know. And you didn't place your spirit on the inside of me for me to not know, but you place your spirit on the inside of me. The all-knowing one lives on the inside of me. He has his dwelling on the inside of me. And I know because of what Jesus said that he will teach me all things. 
And he will bring all things back to remembrance whatsoever you told me. So the process is you go to the word, you put the word in you, and you say, now, Jesus, I just put this in me. I have no idea what it means. I need your spirit to reveal to me what it is that you're saying here in your word. And before you know it, you'll have revelation upon revelation upon revelation. The kingdom of God is built on revelation, specifically on the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Somebody say, that's really good. And then the next verse, it says, and also I say to you, actually, the next verse is verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Who does Jesus give his, king, his, his keys to? It's the ones who have revelation. It's the ones who are building with him. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Keys unlock things. Keys bring you into places that you formerly didn't have any authority to walk into before. Whoa. And he didn't say key. He said keys. How many keys are there? I don't know. But I could probably sit and name you a hundred if I really thought about it, about keys to how the kingdom works, to how his church works. And I'll give you one key. I heard this yesterday when I heard that. I thought, I'm going to use that and not give the person any credit. I'll just say that I heard it. <laughs> but for people that, and it's not you guys, you're here, but this is good to, to stick in your, your pocket or whatever. But for people that would say, I'm not going to be part of the church, could be some people online. God bless you. Thank you for watching. You probably need to hear this. Come to church. Amen. But we've got some people that live in places where they maybe don't have a church or something, so it's no problem. But for people that would say, I'm not going to be a part of the local church, and I'm just going to go do marketplace ministry. Listen, if you are not tied to a church that's moving in the power of God, that preaches the true gospel of Jesus, that has apostolic authority and prophetic anointing that flows through it, you are missing out on the heart of God for your city. Because he said that I will build my, that I built my church, that it was established on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. God has people, mandated people that he set to come in line with. You say, well, I think that this, that, or the other. It doesn't matter what you think. What does God say? And so the people that step outside of what God says is supposed to be right and say, I'm not really into supporting the whole local church, then you're not into doing things God's way. You're not into supporting God's system because God has a system. God has an order to things. I found out something about myself recently. I don't know if I should go there, but I'll go there. That there would be, when things get out of order, and I don't mean, I don't mean mistakes. I don't, I don't mean like that. I don't, it's not perfectionism. But when things spiritually are not in order, and I'm so, God, I'm so glad that God has graced me with the wife. L listen, she is, she is better than what you guys have any idea of. I'm telling you, she is, she is the most, one of the most incredible, her and my mom and my sister are the three most incredible women I've ever met in my life. And I'm telling you, she is able to see things and help me in ways that nobody else could possibly see and know and be able to help me. And I kept finding myself going, and she's like, just calm down, just calm down. And I realized through the process of understanding me better because I'm just hardwired some ways. And I've got, I've got things in me that need to be knocked off, rough edges that need to be knocked off. 
It's like, you know, when God hardwires you some way, you, you, have, to, you have to allow the Holy Ghost to, to soften it a little bit. <laughs> Amen? But I found out that I don't like disorder. When things are not set in order, there's something in me about being in God's divine alignment and God's divine order because you can't have heaven's heavenly stuff without being in a position to receive what God says because what God says only comes God's way. People have been erecting what they call churches for thousands of years and asking God to bless it. Now God in this hour is saying, stop doing things man's way and do things in my divine order and you will experience blessing beyond anything that you ever thought in your entire life. And what's happened is that the enemy has tricked so many people because they've been, they genuinely have been hurt. They've been burnt. Man, they've been bashed. They've had things come against them. But there's a, there's a spirit that is in Christ Jesus, that was in Christ Jesus, that's placed in us, that we can rise up and say, who gives a rip what people did? I'm going to be with God's people. I'm going to be in God's divine order. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to do as God has called me to do things. I'm going to do what his word says to do. And man, the greatest amount of blessing flows from that place. Man, thank you for those six amens. Man, help me, Jesus. God's got an order to things. Sometimes people, they, they, they just think that the Lord just, just is like, a, you know, a, a machine gun, just, no, he has an order to things. He created the earth in a particular set of days. He was creative. Creative people are needed because if you only have order without creativity, it's dry. But if you have creativity without order, it's chaos. They both are supposed to be meshed together. It's a, it's a right thing. But we're not supposed to just come in and just shoot from the hip. God has a divine uh, alignment and a divine assignment for you. And you will find and manifest your divine assignment when you come into God's divine alignment. Let me say that again. There is a divine assignment that God has for you. And you will find your divine assignment when you come into God's divine alignment. And all people here... You see, somebody has to teach about spiritual authority, which I'm actually not teaching about today, but I am mentioning it, by the way, right now. <laughs> but whenever the pastor of the church talks about spiritual authority, people go, oh, he's, just, he's, just, he's trying to control us. I'm not trying to control anybody. You can go, you can come, but I'm telling you this, when you align your heart and you stand up here for a second, please, would you? And you, you decide that I'm going to come in and I'm going to lock arms with the ones that God has called you to lock arms with. And you forget about the things that really don't matter. You look past the, the issues that people have. I have issues. Liz, do you have issues? She maybe has a few issues. Okay, whatever. People have issues. Guess what? You've got issues. You have major issues. And you have major problems. But I'm willing to look over them. I'm willing to look past them. Will you look past them with me? Because if, will you look past mine? Because if you can, you can look past them. It doesn't mean we skate over things that aren't right. We fix things that aren't right. Amen. Amen. But if you can look past, some of y'all are smiling a lot more now that she's standing up here. You're just going to stand up here from now on because I want more smiles. Whew. No, you can't sit down. This is really good. Whenever... Everything's going to be all right. You say, well, I'm, I'm like relaxing. 
you, you are very relaxing, except when you're not. Then it's like, whoa. I'm just kidding. I'm going to look past her issue. Amen. Amen. Because if you can look past my issues and I can look past your issues, what can we not accomplish together in God? Man. He said, I'll build my church. And one of the things you can sit down now. Thank you. One of the revelations of what the church is, is a family. You say, well, my family's horrible. I don't even, okay, well, forget your family for a minute. (laughs) An ideal family would have a man and a wife. They get married and they produce children and people live in harmony and unity. And I know in the natural things don't always work out like that. We've all got family problems and issues, every one of us in our families. But the ideal picture is that. And here's the thing is that your family, it starts with a marriage. That's when families first created a man and a woman come together. They're married and they create a bond and a unity that's in that home that nothing can break. And in the ideal world, forget the natural world that we're living in, all right? It's not a perfect example. But if you can imagine a, a perfect home, They would come together. There wouldn't be any problems, or if there was any problems, they would do whatever, come hell or high water. They would stand against anything coming against that and coming between that unity. There's a unity and there's a bond in the family that God's called us to be with. God's called us to be in. Amen. Who cares about your issues? Who cares about my issues? And I'm not saying to sweep them under the rug. That's not what I'm saying. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm saying that our issues should never be more important or be a bigger deal than the fact that God's called us together. And if God's called you with me, then you stick with me and I will stick with you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But it has to come by way of revelation. I'm going to finish up with these thoughts and wrap this all together because I know I've hit different things. But sometimes when you preach, it's very line up on the line and teach. And other times you grab at some things that the Holy Ghost says they really need this even in the middle of the message. Can you all handle that okay? Hallelujah. And then in verse 20, it says, Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he, was go, he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Now, what happened to the Peter that was first, in the, in the verses back, had a revelation about who Jesus was. He was seeing in the spirit. He had a revelation from the father. And now Jesus, God himself manifest in the flesh, is saying something and Peter is rebuking him. No way, Lord, far be it from you. What happened to that Peter? He had a revelation about one thing, but he didn't have a revelation about another. Look how Jesus responds. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to him, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Then here's the deal, is that anything we don't have a revelation of, we are in danger of supporting Satan's agenda. 
Anything we do not have a revelation of, we are in danger of not supporting what God says is true, but actually supporting what the enemy says is true. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have said, get behind me, Satan. He would have said, now, now, Peter, calm down. But he saw the words and he heard the words that were being spoken out of Peter's mouth. And he said, get behind me, Satan. Everything in the kingdom of God manifests by way of revelation. Everything we do has to come from a revelation from God. And when we're talking about the righteousness that God has given us, I'm gonna tell you something really, really important here. You cannot understand the righteousness you've been given with your natural understanding. It's a righteousness, an imputed righteousness that he's given you. You cannot get it by natural understanding. It only comes by way of revelation from him. really important. Crazy important. Look here in Romans chapter 1. Can we pull Romans 1 and 16 up there on the screen quickly? And then we're going to go to Romans chapter 3 and 21. Here we go. Look at this. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, in what? In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The righteousness of God, the righteousness that comes from God is revealed. It's not something that's read and you mentally assent to it. It's revealed knowledge that comes to you from God. It can only come to you by way of revelation. And to me, when I read this, I realize that there is a separation between what the true gospel is and a false gospel. Because a false gospel are people that took natural or it could have been spiritual knowledge but they took it in a natural way and tried to apply it thus having a false gospel and entered right back into works because they started their relationship with the lord not by revelation but by way of natural knowledge but this here says the righteousness of god is revealed it's a revealed knowledge it comes by way of revelation look in romans chapter 3 and verse 21 It says, but the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. The righteousness of God that comes from him is revealed apart from the law. And when it's talking about the law here, it's not just talking about the Levitical law, Moses' law. It's talking about the law that wars inside of human beings' members. That war, that law that says you have to do if you're going to be. But the only way you can understand God's righteousness is apart from that law that says that you have to do if you're going to be right because his righteousness that is revealed says you are already right in Christ Jesus and you receive it by faith. Because there's no way you can look at your natural self and say that you're righteous. If you do, that's called (laughs) self-righteous. You and I and our natural self are completely unrighteous. But once we get a revelation from heaven, we can stand in the mirror and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. It's not blasphemy. And then sometimes people say, how are you doing? I'll say, man, I am blessed. I am righteous and I am holy. But they don't understand God's made me in his image. 
He's made me like him, but it was revealed to me. Look at here in Galatians. If we can pull this up in Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, 11 and 12. Excuse me, Galatians 1, 11 and 12. Galatians 1, 11 and 12. It says, but I, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Let me ask you something. Is what you believe right now about God and who you are, has it been revealed to you from man? Has it come to you just from man, or has God himself made it real to you? I noticed the difference because years ago, when I got revelation of this, I was saying, Brother Andrew said, Brother Andrew said, Brother Andrew Womack, he was one that, that it first came to me, and it was revelation, but there was a time when it switched over to where I was like, God said, God's word says it right here. Because the deal is, is that men can fall, men can be wrong, but God will never fail, and God's word is never wrong. So there has to come a point to where we say, God said this, I know it, and he revealed it to me. For neither, uh, neither I received it from men, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Is this making sense to you all? Everything in the kingdom has to come by way of revelation. The righteousness that we have, our true identity has to come by way of revelation. Revelation. Look here in John, and I'm going to finish with this. John chapter 16 and verse 5. John 16 through 5. Everybody say, I can take it. Now the rest of you say, I can take it. I'm a meat and potatoes kind of person. Look here in verse 5. See, a lot of people think that The Holy Spirit is given to convict you of your sin. If you think that I'm getting ready to totally destroy your theology, actually the Bible's getting ready to. There's only one place in the New Testament where it talks about the Holy Spirit convicting of sin, and it's right here. I'm getting ready to read it to you, but I'm going to help you understand it. The Holy Spirit, the true teacher, is going to help you understand it as I read it. The Holy Spirit isn't there to convict you of your sin. He's there to convict you of your righteousness. You know how I can tell when someone's been spending time with the Lord or they've been spending time with their own conscience slash the devil? How are you doing? Well, you know, I just, I don't know. I'll see him out and, out and about. Hey, man, good to see you. I mean, I, I really have been wanting to come to church. You'd be shocked how many people. I'm sorry I haven't been there in two weeks. I'm sorry. I been, it's like, I, I'm not condemning you. I'm just genuinely, genuinely wanting to know, how are you doing well, I, 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 you know, I, I know I haven't tithed. It's like, man, I don't sit and count everybody who tithes. I don't know. Thank you for giving. Bless you. But I'm not here to condemn you. I'm just wondering, wanting to know how are you doing? If people are, I can tell instantly if they go, you know what? I'm sorry I haven't been there in a while, but man, me and Jesus have been having a good time. And I know when I'm, I'm back or whatever, we're going to have even a better time. And I can tell that they've been listening to a true voice and not a false voice. The enemy comes disguised as an angel of light. When I hear people talking about, I was at church and the Holy Ghost just convicted me of all my sin. I was like, no, 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 no. That was the devil speaking through somebody or just your own conscience. Don't misunderstand me. The, the Holy Spirit, I can, proof is in the pudding. I can tell you many times where he's like, Kent, you are not doing right here and you need to stop doing that because you're not acting like me. But what he isn't doing is convicting me 
in judging me so that my conscience becomes heavy so that I try to work to try to appease him. What he will do is say, you righteous, holy thing, you. Your spirit, man, has been forever sealed and changed, Kent. But in your flesh, you really need to have a manifestation here of me and not of you. Can we work through this? Yes, sir, let's work through this. You understand the difference? God's not interested in, in people being uh, just sweeping under the rug the problems that they might have. He, he'll help us deal and grow with those things, but it's never to undo what he did on the cross. Adam threw the entire world into a condition that we could not work our way out of. Jesus threw the entire world into a condition that we cannot work our way out of. Or into or out of. It's only by faith. I already know where people's minds are going. Are you saying we can, can't we lose our salvation? I'm not going to answer that. Everybody asks me that. I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to let you go to the word and you come to your own conclusion. But what I am saying is that if you could just sin and lose it, the only way you would ever get to heaven is to get you saved and then kill you. Everybody blows it. Everybody misses it. And see, when you have that kind of consciousness going on of, oh God, you know that I did, and I don't know, you know that I did, you know that I did. And you need to keep a humble heart to be able to go to the Father and say, Lord, I, you know I really messed up here. God, I don't want that. Thank you for helping me grow into the man or the woman that you truly created me to be. You see the difference there? But a lot of people come to the Lord without boldness. They don't come to him boldly. They don't come to his throne room boldly because they don't understand how they've been made and what's been given. But if we could undo what the second Adam, the last Adam, Jesus did by our works, then what he did would have been lesser than what the first Adam did. We couldn't work to change what the first Adam did. And we can't work to change what the second Adam did. It comes by faith. Some of y'all go on, what in the world? It's true. And this makes people so shaky. They're like, oh, oh he, was, he was talking about like, we can just go and live however. Stop, stop doing that. Stop going to that place. I never condone sin. I've never condoned sin. Sin is wrong. But what I am saying is that if you don't begin to change your consciousness of who you really are, have an understanding on the outside, if you will, of who you are on the inside, you will never walk out and manifest the righteousness and holiness that you have because you'll be stuck in a system of works and a defiled conscience in your mind, always working for God to be pleased with you, but you will never be able to get there because your works, it's all based on your works, it's all focused on your works, and it's not focused on Jesus. When you focus on the problem, the problem will manifest. When you focus on the solution, the solution will manifest. Hallelujah. Man, this is awesome. Jesus. I love this. Look at here in verse 5. It says, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of, uh, and none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. They didn't have a revelation, right? It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. 
For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, it's interesting. He talks about the, the, uh, the Holy Spirit as a helper. What, he, what was he helping them do? He's getting ready to say here. And he says, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they, who is they? The ones outside, the ones who don't belong to him, the ones who haven't put their trust in him. Because they do not believe in me. You know who the Holy Spirit is convicting of sin? The ones who have never put their trust in Jesus. He will literally take the law and say, look at you. You are not measuring up. Your only hope is to trust in me. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's the sin that the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of. He's not here. He will deal with our individual actions. Do not misunderstand me. Do not misunderstand my point. But the, the sin that Jesus came to die for, it wasn't so much the individual sins as it was the defiled nature that we had. Because what sends people to hell isn't their individual actions, it's their nature. Their nature's defiled. If it was actions, then even when we got born again, our actions would bring us right back into defilement before God. But our actions don't defile us. Our nature defiles us. What we inherited from Adam defiled us. But once we put trust in Jesus, we get born again into the, to the kingdom of God, into, into the, the new system, into the new covenant. Our, our nature is now undefiled. We are right before God. And our actions don't deter that one way or another. You know how many times I have in the years, I've, never mind, I'm not going to go there. Sometimes I just think, God, I just want to be a calm preacher that just, just says some niceties. Man, I want to give you the truth, though. God wants me to give you the truth. What I'm saying to some of you is racking your brains right now. But I dare you to go to the word of God and prove what is being revealed to you right now is wrong. Go and prove it wrong. The world, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, one of those, the Holy Spirit did not come to convict you of your sin. He came to set you free from the defilement in your conscience because of the nature that once spoke to your conscience. And now you have a new nature in Christ Jesus that should be speaking to your conscience that you are righteous and you're no longer a slave unto sin. <laughs> Jesus. And it says, okay, of sin because they do not believe in me, of, righteous because, of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. The first one, sin, he said, he was talking about them, the ones outside, and now he said righteousness because I go to my Father and you, my disciples, you who belong to me, you see me no more. Why is it important that he went to the Father? Because he took his blood on the mercy seat of heaven and it was spilt and it was all done and finished. The, the payment was totally done. The Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin, the world out there of sin for not believing on him and of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. He's talking to them. He's convicting you of righteousness, not of your unrighteousness, but of your righteousness. <laughs> I think like five of you got it really well. And the rest of you are like, your wheels are spinning. His conviction, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is to get you to believe that what Adam did in the garden was undid, undone by what Jesus did on the cross. 
Why does he have to convict, convict us of that? Or the word convict can mean convince. You ever had to just convince somebody? Like you had somebody that was just beat up and you're like, I really love you. And they're like, well, you're like, no, man, I really, really love you. Well, I know, but you know, no, I really, really love you. What are you doing? You're convincing them. That's what God does with us. We were so beat up by the system that's in the world of performance in our mind already on fire in a negative way with the nastiness of the flesh and the realization that we're not right with God. The Holy Spirit is sent to help us and to convict us and to convince us that we are righteous in the sight of God. I got 10 of you. Yes. And I know you guys are just soaking it in. But this is the greatest revelation. You know why? Because you can literally go and stand with that breastplate on and the enemy can come and try to crush you. And he can't win if you know who you are. Look at what the next verse says, and I'm done. Right here, I'm done. It says, of judgment. He's going to convict the world of sin of righteousness and of judgment. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Who is the ruler of this world, this world system? It's Satan. And God has already judged him and has already whipped his butt and has already determined that he is a defeated foe. And when a person understands that once they go from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, that that the enemy no longer has restraint on them because of the righteousness that they have in Christ, (laughs) they'll realize he's been judged. He's been condemned. He hasn't been thrown in prison eternally yet. He's still roaming about as a roaring lion, seeking people that don't know the righteousness, that don't know who they are, looking to destroy them. But once he sees you, and you've got got on the breastplate of righteousness, and you can stand firm with every accusation in the world, and you can stand firm and say, you know what, I did some of those things, but Jesus has said it's just as if I have never done it. I don't want to go back and do it, but regardless of what happened or is happening or is going to happen, Jesus has made me a certain way. Jesus has made me righteous, and I'm seated with him, and my actions don't, don't vary it this way or that way, and now I can boldly come into the throne of God. I can have fellowship with him. I can love on him. He can speak to me. He can help me. He can help me walk this out. Hallelujah. Man, I'm preaching my heart out, and I'm done because it's 12.05, and I was supposed to be done at 12 because some of y'all got kids that you need to get. Thank you for listening to me. This is continued revelation that has to come. This is an uncovering. Don't anyone be offended and think that I'm, I'm, I'm advocating for sin. Every single time I mention this, I can't say it all at once, but every single time, every time, understand me, that I talk about this, people say, I'm just saying we can go live in sin. When you get a revelation of this, when this gets a hold of you, you'll do anything but sin. You'll say, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to manifest the fullness of what you've given me. Love you. Bless you. Have an amazing day and week. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we're making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.